Hey, thanks for tuning into the uh, Real Guy Podcast. This is Captain Jeff, and uh, you are listening to our series about fishing philosophies. So uh, I have uh, Stephen Busaka, the shepherd, the world famous sheep's head fisherman, <laughs> in the studio today, and um, we're going to bang out another episode on this series. I hope you guys enjoyed the first one that we did, and. Um, I don't know if this will be the second or third or fourth or fifth, but we're going to bang it out right now. And um, Busaka, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well, man. What's going on? Yeah, nothing. How did you think the uh, the uh, first recording of Fishing Philosophies went? Stellar. You liked it? Bet, honestly, I think it went better than I ever could have hoped for. <laughs> I don't know. Did you, I'm not sure if you first got um, the the whole concept when I first explained it to you, but I think by the end of that recording... All of a sudden, it occurred to me. Right. You understood you yeah. know, kind of where I was going with this? Yes. And, um, you know, philosophy is a funny thing because, you know, um, everybody has a different perception. Everybody has a different opinion. Everybody knows different things. So it could or be. Or thinks they know different or things. Or thinks they, right. <laughs> whether they're right, wrong, or indifferent. So people's philosophies are totally different. But um, one of the philosophies that, um, one of the philosophies that, holds true at least that i've seen over the years is the whole thing about real guys helping real guys you know what i mean yeah now when uh i mean i, I heard you say it before a lot of people in our social network say it what is that what do, what do you what does that mean to you when 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 you hear that when you say that real guy like real yeah. guys helping real guys See, I'm happy you say that because to me, so one thing, so let me tell you what a lot of people have asked me that are outside of our network. Remember, I want to know what goes through your mind. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So a question that I'll get asked from people outside of our network is they know I do a podcast with you and they ask kind of what's it about. I always say, you know, it's it's real. They'll say, what is a real guy? Is that just somebody that fishes, somebody that's good at fishing? And I said, well, yes, but it also is more than that. I said, being a real guy, because guess what? There's plenty of guys that are great fishermen. I said, but what makes you truly, in my opinion, a real guy is you're somebody that's actually willing to help somebody out. So right. now that leads into our question of what does it mean real guys helping real guys? Real guys helping real guys is, you know what? Let's say you're talking to somebody and somebody says, like Carl Ball, for example. I never caught a bonefish, Carl. I'm dying to catch a bonefish. You want to catch a bonefish? I'll take you out. So you that think- to me is an example of a real guy helping a real guy. Okay. Okay. That's just one example. Yeah, that's. I mean, you know, that's your basic. That's a basic example, and I think that's right. Um, I think. I think what a lot of people don't realize is when real guys helping real guys. You don't have to be like a great fisherman to be a real guy. No. When I think of a real guy, I think the, the number one. Thing I think of. Is if you're to be a real guy, is you have to be comfortable with yourself, tell the truth about that, and don't try to be pretend or give the persona that you're something that you're not. That you're not. And in fishing, a lot of times you get that. I don't know what it is, but people want to boast. Maybe it's just ego or whatever. Oh yeah. But it's hard to um, it's hard to do that. And then help somebody else. So therefore, by process of elimination, you can't be a real guy. You can only be a real guy is if you know something or are good at something or 
can help another person with something. And it doesn't have to be fishing or related to fishing. It could be, heck, fixing your trailer. I was going to say, hey, or my, my truck broke down. Can you come give me a hand? Right. And a guy can come give you a hand and he's good with, you know, a wrench and tools or whatever. So, you know, you don't ask, you know, a 90-pound girl that does nails to come help you with a tire. You ask a guy that, you know, is good with a wrench and, you know, doesn't mind getting dirty and sweaty and has a little bit of strength and is, you know, good for that. Yeah. But what I mean is, is like, he has nothing to do with fishing. Fixing trailer hubs, um, live well pumps, um, anything. Giving you a ride, giving you a bait tip. Just being a good person. Being a good person and wanting to help other good people. You know what and I mean? Being honest. Yeah, being honest. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they put the ego thing and they say, well, you know, you got to be able to get a dozen to be a real guy. And I that, was about to bring that up not to you. True. So that, no. That's nope. not true. That's not true. And you shouldn't ever um, take your fishing skills or any of your skills and be boastful about it to people that don't have those skills. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. I mean, it's... It's fun in games when you're doing that with your friends. Yeah, I mean, sometimes bragging, you guys will joke around. Yeah. Right, and you're, you know, you're goofing around, but, you know, you know those people. And, you know, you're doing that, you know, it's kind of like picking on each other. That's, you know, that's what friends do. Yeah. But I see people do that to people they don't even know. Like, they just met. And they're acting like, you know, they're the best thing since sliced bread. And, oh, let me tell you how to catch a bonefish. Or let me tell you how to catch a tarpon. Or let me show you how to throw a cast net. All that kind of stuff. And it's like, dude, why don't you help the guy with what he might need instead of telling him how great you are or what he don't even care about? Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, the real guy helping real guy thing. The other thing, too, about real guys helping real guys is I think it's about work ethic. I think when no matter what you're doing, if you have a strong work ethic, and then you meet somebody else that has a strong work ethic. There's a natural um, sort of camaraderie. I was going to say camaraderie amongst the two. And it breaks all barriers. It breaks racial barriers. Like in football. You know what I mean? I, was, I played on football teams where I was the minority by far. Yeah. Like the only white dude on the team. And people were like, well, how did that work out? Dude. You went out there, you busted your ass every day. They looked over at you. They didn't see the white kid. They saw the kid that was working hard. And then some of those dudes became my best friends. Why? Because they were working hard. Now, the jerk-off that was on the team that didn't work hard, I guess saying you couldn't be friendly to him or he couldn't be your friend, but it's a different relationship yep. than with the guy that has the work ethic like you. And then you end up spending that much more time with the person that has the work ethic like you. And then if you can't spend the time that has a, the person that has the work ethic like you, you sit back and respect what they do. And then you don't mind mimicking yourself after that. Yeah. So the whole concept of like real guy helping real guy, I didn't like make it up. It's just a term that we use. Just kind of coined. Yeah, well, we, we made the term and use it, you know, like everybody knows what the hell we're talking about. And I think they do in bits and pieces. But talking about it like this, you know, kind of puts the whole thing. Kind of into perspective. 
I'll tell you the first I'll tell you the first story. Um that made the real guy helping real guy thing so crystal clear. And um it just happened to do with fishing. Imagine that. No. But um <clears throat> I mean this is before we moved to Florida. And at the time, although I was there and everything, I had no clue what was going on. But anyway, my dad had a, a small Grady White boat, and he, and, he, and he had it in the uh, Cape Ann Marina down in Gloucester, Massachusetts. And um, they weren't into fishing. They weren't doing any fishing. But what they were into was scuba diving and catching lobsters. And they caught a ton of them. And then we go back to the marina, and um, we just have buckets and buckets full of, you know, Maine lobster. Whew. Right. And then some of the other dudes at the marina... We're into bluefin tuna fishing, you know, and they were just a couple boats down, and we became lifelong friends with this one gentleman named um, Sam. Sam had a boat called the Samana, Sam Cardinelli. His son Jason has two boats called the Samana. He runs them out of Jupiter Inlet now, and Jason was just born at the time, and uh, this is like 1975, and uh Long story short is Sam and my father got really friendly because Sam was like, man, this guy crushes the lobsters every weekend. <laughs> and my dad's looking at him and he's like, man, this guy crushes the tuna fish every weekend. So my dad would give Sam some lobsters and then Sam offered to take my dad tuna fishing. And Sam had this beautiful sport fishing boat, a custom Carolina boat uh, called Andy Mortensen. And beautiful boat. And my dad goes out with them, and they catch a big bluefin tuna. Actually, Sam's wife did. 1,100-pound tuna. <sighs> Set the woman's world record that day. Really? Really. And <laughs> from that day on, um, my dad <laughs> was just got hooked. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> on bluefin tuna. And Sam, being a real guy that he was, was like, I'm going to help Joe learn how to do it. In the first season, um, I think we got one tuna. Yeah, you know, one bluefin tuna. And back then, tunas weren't like it, you know, super hard to get. There was a lot of them. Really? Like, you couldn't even sell the son of bitches. Oh. Right. There, was, you know, there, there wasn't a Japanese market you know, uh, developed yet. And most of the time, the, the bluefin tuna was only worth about 50 cents a pound. So they were hardly worth even killing. But um, Sam knew how to do it. He was a great fisherman, and he knew all the other dudes that were into the fishery. And he put his arm around my old man and taught him the basic fundamentals of catching bluefin tuna. My old man got hooked on the tuna fishing and then got hooked on fishing in general, and then we ended up here in South Florida so we could keep fishing. But those real guys help him real guys. My dad's giving him lobsters. He's teaching him how to bluefin fish. Later on in my life, I look back at it, and now I realize that was my first, you know, experience or my first recollection that I could ever remember of two real dudes, you know. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? That's freaking crazy. And it's funny because, you know, you, don't, you can't see that until you get older and look back. Yeah. Now, when did your dad get into the marlin fishing? That was like 1978. We moved here, and... um 
you know, he wanted to catch marlin because uh, you could do it year-round. It wasn't a seasonal thing. And he was just addicted to, you know, big sport fishing. So we started doing that. And we'd still go back to Massachusetts on the summers and do <clears throat> like six or eight weeks of bluefin fishing. But um, that was usually later in the summer because April, May, and June was when all the big tournaments were for the marlin. Yeah. So when the marlin thing would wrap up, then we'd end up doing a few weeks back in Massachusetts and then back here. And then he would do like sword fishing. I mean, he was like into all of it. But that's my first recollection of real guys helping real guys. I think it's universal. You know, before we wrap up, I actually want to give a shout out to, and this is going to be, I think, my first real guy helping a real guy out. My buddy Billy, you met him, the snakehead guy. Right. He and I, we grew up together. I mean, we literally, I mean, from like freaking we were born. Right. And, you know, he and I, even though we, we grew up together, we were never really close. Our dads were best friends. But he and I weren't really that close because we weren't into the same stuff. Right. You know, and I didn't see him for years. But I still saw his dad because I used to hunt for many years. And so it was me, my dad, and then Billy's dad all hunted together. We used to hunt for wild hogs up by the Okeechobee area. Right on. That's real guy stuff. That's real guy stuff right there. That's real hunting too for <laughs> wild hogs. People don't realize it with a bow. And we did that for years. And we had a camp up there, and long story short, my dad ended up having to give up the camp. That killed me, because we used to do that every two weeks. What do you mean, he owned the camp? Yeah, he had a lease. Oh, okay. And he had to give it up, and I was, I was crushed. I mean, that pl I grew up in those woods right. up there. So here I was now. I was in, I want to say, my fourth year of college. I was, basically, I was working at a restaurant. And I was going to school, and that was all I was doing. I was like, I have, because I couldn't hunt anymore. That was like my, that was my main hobby or sport. And yeah, it's a hunting more of a sport than a hunt. It's a little bit more of a sport, yeah, I would say. Um, I'd like but, to get a real hunter on here to get his two cents on it, but we should. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, you're good. So, but anyway, so I'm working at the restaurant. Coincidentally, Billy happened to work there too. He was the one that got me on the job at the restaurant. So then we ended up kind of reconnecting. Um, and one day he said to me, he goes, because I knew he was into fishing, but I wasn't. Right. And he said to me one day after work, he goes, what are you doing after work? And I said, nothing. He goes, you want to come fishing? And I was kind of like, I mean, what do you want to go for? He goes, we'll go in my backyard. He goes, well, we'll go for largemouth bass. And I was like, dude, uh, I don't know about this. I said, I've been down this road before trying to catch bass years prior. Had no luck. He goes, just come on. We're going to have fun. All right, let's do it. And I caught three bass that day, and all of a sudden, I was ecstatic. And I said, Billy, I said, this was a lot of fun. Let, Why do I keep doing this? He lit the fire for you. He lit the fire, and then he kept throwing coals into the fire. Because then we started, he basically, I basically said to him, I said, Billy, I said, I, I want to keep doing this. I said, I want to get good at it too. I said, can you help me? And he goes, yes. He goes, I'm going to help you. He goes, I'm, he showed me all the, the gear the techniques, and let me tell you something. I've had a lot of people that, and I, mind you, we started in fresh water. Right. I ended up moving to salt water just because I was right by the beach and all of a sudden I wanted to go in the salt water. But let me tell you, the stuff that he taught me with bass fishing for fresh water, I still use to this day when I fish the beach for snook and jacks. And let me tell you, I've had a lot of people give me pointers or try to tell me this is the way you should do it. And I got to tell you, and I just want to give a shout out to Billy because 
That was your first, that's your real that, guy moment. That was my real guy moment. And the stuff he taught me to this day is still held up the best out of any advice I got. And that came from him. So that was my first real guy helping a real guy moment out. So Billy, if you're listening to this, appreciate you, brother. Huh. I, wonder, I, I guarantee you that the majority of listeners out there had a real guy moment. They remember it. Or after listening maybe to this recording, that they'll be like, oh, this was my real guy moment. Yep. Or my look first at me, that, real just guy happened, that just happened to me. And it's funny because when you have a real guy moment, I think it's a natural for the person to then help other people. And that's the whole thing we're talking about. That's real guys helping real guys. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Dude, it's, not about, it's not about who catches the biggest fish or who catches the most fish. Right. And even if you do catch a lot of big fish, that doesn't necessarily make you a real guy. No, it doesn't. I know a lot of dudes that are damn good fishermen that cannot be on my real guy list. Number one reason is honesty. If you can't be honest, don't say nothing. It's okay not to say nothing. It's not okay to lie. It's not okay to deceive. Dude, it's all, yeah, yeah, it's all in the book. It's all in the book. I'm not going to get into religious stuff, but it's all in the book. Yeah. But anyway, Busaka, I'm loving the episodes. I'm loving the series. Thanks for coming in. Course, real guys man. helping real guys. Real fishing philosophies over here. And you're only going to hear this on the Real Guy Podcast. If you guys had a real guy moment, email me, Jeff at LunkerDog.com. Busaka, what's your email? StephenBusaka at gmail.com. You probably don't know how to spell that if you're not Italian. <laughs> but anyway, StephenBusaka at gmail, uh, Jeff at LunkerDog.com. If you had a real guy moment or if this uh, small recording or quick recording um, helped you out in any way. Um, with Tell the whole, us about it. With the whole real guy philosophy. Let us know. Let us know. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Guy Podcast. This is Stephen Busaka along with Captain Jeff. You guys uh, are on the Real Guy Podcast. Run that dog. Run that dog.